do to start is we'll get you guys to introduce yourselves uh, and give us maybe, since we're in a relationship series, give us your relationship status. Tell us uh, if you're married or whatever and for how many years, and uh, we'll go from there. So we'll start with uh, this guy here. All right. Uh, Todd, lead pastor here at Riverwood. Uh, Car- yeah. Thank you. Um, relationship status, uh, crazy in love with this woman. And uh, we've been Aww. having sex longer than you've been alive. <laughs> Whoa. With the lights on. With the lights, with the lights on. on. With the lights <laughs> off. It doesn't matter. Oh, dear. We've got kids in the room. No. That was for them. All right. I'm uh, Carolyn. I'm one of the pastors at Riverwood Church and the proud mom of three daughters. And Todd and I have been married for 32 years. Amazing. Yes. My name is Erica Claussen, and I am 46 years old, single, never married, and I'm in for whatever God has planned for me, and that's the course of my life. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. My name's Marie. I'm a counselor here with Finding Freedom. I've been married for three years, and I'm pregnant with my first baby. Congratulations. Uh, my name is Kevin Beauchamp. Um, I'm also a counselor, um, and uh, I've been married. I know I told you guys three years, uh, but we just had our anniversary, so it's actually four. Uh, <laughs> yeah, God, forgive me, but we, and we have a uh, uh, 16-month-old daughter, Sophie. Right amazing, amazing. So thank you guys once again for being here. We're going to jump into it. Um, I'm not being rude by being on my phone. I've got all the questions here, and so we're going to ask the first question. We'll begin having a conversation, so guys feel free to... Uh, answer uh, if you if you feel that. So we'll start off uh, pretty simple here. Uh, what's a good way to bring God into your relationship? Like how can you actively do that? This person has constantly struggled with how to incorporate uh, God into their long-term dating relationship. How can you bring um, God? Yeah, a couple things as a counselor. Um, you're always kind of focused on the emotional life of people. And so a few things that I've learned is asking emotional questions that would relate to your spiritual life. So um, one thing that I did with my partner I was dating, I said, um, what what kind of sins are you struggling with this week? Um, and that would really help us just go deeper into the spiritual. And then also, how are you encountering God or what are you learning in the, in the word this week? And just trying to ask those once a week. Yeah, those are great. I think another one is uh, as soon as you leave church, if you're going out for lunch or maybe later that day, actually have a conversation about what you heard. So this morning, you'd walk out of church if you were at Riverwood, and hey, you know, what, what out of that message sort of really hit you? What did God say to you? What, what's God been saying to you lately? And I think applying it, it's not always prayer or going to worship services. I think those, those conversations, and those are great questions too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone else want to ask? Yeah, I think sometimes it can be difficult, especially like depending on... Um, you know, if you're dating a guy or, or, or whatever, just that aspect of being vulnerable with someone, right? Like spirituality is a very vulnerable thing and maybe you're struggling with something. So I think even taking that risk yourself, right? At a certain level, just um, being vulnerable and saying, hey, like I've been, I've been struggling with this, whether it's just not feeling connected to God or, or whatever. And, and that can sometimes be an invitation for the person you're with to like, yeah, you know what? That's, that's hard for me, too, and then it opens up that conversation. What, what do you guys think of the whole thing of praying together as dating couples? Because some people say don't pray together because it's too intimate, and other people say you should pray together. So I think that factors into this, too. 
I, I think it's good to pray together. I think you have to be careful where you are when you're praying together. But, but laying down on the couch probably isn't a good idea. Be, no, no, no. We just want to focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No distractions. Focus, uh, sit up, and, <laughs> um, and, and talk to God together. I think, um, you know, you're, you're both children of God, and to come together and talk to him, um, I think is a beautiful thing. And you can even ask each other, hey, you know, what can I pray for you this week? Um, you can text a prayer. You can um, pray over a meal. You can, you know, just pray on your own even for uh, the person you're dating. Yeah, and I think, like, that vulnerability piece is so key. Because when you pray, like, when you talk to God, that's one of the most vulnerable things you can do. And so if you're not willing to be vulnerable and, and like, allow someone into that part of your life, like, you're going to really struggle. So I think you, you have to first be like, okay, we're going to get vulnerable, and then you can have that, that prayer piece. Well, I think that's part of it, too, when I, you sent those questions out, and when I first read that one, it's a question that popped into my head is, okay, you're trying to bring this into the relationship, but what does that look like for you on an individual level? Mm -hmm. Is it something you're actually actively trying to bring into your day-to-day -day life yourself? If not, it's going to be a challenge to sort of artificially bring it into the relationship and say, hey, this is something we're supposed to do. Let's talk about God, I guess. What does that look like? You know, I think maybe uh, you're talking about starting points. Maybe the greatest starting point is simply, is there anything in a relationship that's spiritual, right? Because if there isn't, then you should find something. You should find either a talking, a talking after the message or praying together or, or confessing or whatever. But if you don't have anything spiritual, if you've gone a month together and there's been no spiritual connection, that should be a warning. Like, you should be saying, this is not a good pattern for us in our relationship. We call ourselves Christ followers, but there's nothing spiritual going on. We better find something, and I think that'll send you on a search to find something spiritual. Yeah, and I will jump to the next question, but if I can just add something. Roberta and I always saw our relationship as a triangle. Uh, we were on the bottoms on either side, and God was at the top, and he was the one that connected us all together. And so she would always ask me, like, how do you know we're not going to get divorced? Right, because she came from a, a, a difficult background where, where that existed. And I was like, because we're going to focus on God. And God is going to be the one who connects us and sustains us. We're just going to focus on him. So I love that. Making sure Jesus is an important part of your life as an individual and then just finding that connection point. Uh, so good. Um, how do you heal from a broken relationship and the need for attachment to someone other than God? It's a big question. How do you heal from a broken relationship and the need for attachment to someone other than God? I think I'll just take that one since I've... Uh had a lifetime of relationships to talk about um, and not just one or two. Um, I think what I've always done is in a dating relationship, I kind of don't even start one without prayer. So my first thing is, you know, you get asked out on a date or whatever the situation is. So I just, I mean, I talk right away. I, the immediate thing I do is, okay, God, like, like you're like, you got the reins on this one again. So just lead it and show me the way, guide me through this one. So it, gets, it just even gets started in prayer before the first date or text or message would even start, you know, and then I take it from there. But then, so what I find is easier is when there is, it's about a breakup, you said, right? Mm -hmm. So, Broken heart. I, yeah, so I mean, breakups obviously are, are not easy, but I do find, and I've always said this to God, I've always prayed, I'm like, I don't want to be in this at all unless you're in it. So I've always felt so relieved after I'm like, if there is a breakup, because I'm like, okay, then that's just my message that we're not supposed to be together. Because if we're not supposed to be together now, oh my gosh, what's going to be in 30 years from then? Or if, if we do get married in 30 years and then we're going to go through a divorce, like, 
like I don't want that. So I was so relieved about that, that, that when I felt like a divorce or I felt the breakup was coming that I was just like, okay, God, like that's just your, your warning sign for this relationship that's not supposed to be the one that I'm supposed to be in. And then I would just focus on, I think, friendship groups. I mean, I can't tell you how important it is when church has something like this going on that you come, mm. you know, and that you don't just stay at home and play your love songs for five hours. <laughs> you know, like that's not gonna, that's gonna be straight to the doctors asking for depression pills, you know what mm. I mean? Like that's not something I would advise. So definitely to, to maintain your friendship circles when you are going through a breakup and, and don't do it alone. So, so yeah. one of the things that I heard you mention was, uh, just to summarize, it was, it was really about perspective. You have this perspective and this trust in God that he's got a plan and he's, he's leading you and guiding you. But how did you get to that place? Because you didn't just wake up and you're like, I'm content, I'm, I trust you, Jesus. But like, what are some practical things that you can do and have done to get to that place where you're like, Jesus, I really, really do trust you in this area? Yeah, I can tell you that, um, you know, it was... You know, when, when I was 18, I mean, I had hopes and dreams like most girls, I think, do have. You know, you want to get married, you want to have kids, you want to have a family. But every year when that was not happening, you know, at 25 and 30 and 35 and 40, and it's, it is hard. Like, I still walk into a room and I can just tell you just to be very real. Like, it still, still hurts my heart. You know what I mean? It's still there. But my what's even more important for me is like I've walked this road with God so long that um in in my darkness and in my lonely times and there's been so many it's just I've come so intimate with Jesus during those times mm. like I'm almost like fearful if I do meet someone it's like oh boy like my standard is God right now okay because he's my husband wow so it's like how is a man going to come into that mm. because God's just always like, come on <laughs> I don't know right That's but good. I mean God's just so I think through all my valleys, through all my dark times, and there's been so many of them, and I'm here to tell you that you're going to be okay, mm -hmm. and you should never make a decision when you're sad, just mm -hmm. saying, okay, just that's, that's really important, but um, yeah, like just all the dark times, all the lonely times, and I just go to the word, and there has been a life verse, I mean, ask God for a life verse, that's a verse that just comes to you in a really dark time, and he's given it to me so many times, like, when I'm in my condo and I'm just crying and I'm like, someone else got engaged and someone else got pregnant. I'm like, really? That's number like 89. Like, and I'm still, <laughs> I'm still in the waiting room and I'm like, I guess my number is not called just yet. And it's been hard. But then I'm like, and then I just sit there. I'm like, okay, God, like, I just need you to hold me. I need you to show me something. And then Psalm 27, 14 is be brave and courageous and wait patiently for the Lord. And he's given me that verse a long time ago. And you wouldn't believe the times that he comes through with that verse for me. Wow. Yeah. So, so many times, right? So I think just, I lean hard into God. I mean, this is, you know, his love letter to us. And so you wouldn't put a love letter on the shelf and leave it there and never read it. So, I mean, I desperately need it every single day. And so I run to it. Hope it gets me through, I'm sure. Wow. Good words. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh. Yeah, we'll jump on to the next question. Um, what would you advise to do when you plan or want to marry someone you love and your family is not in support of the person you wish to marry? That's a big question. Well, my dating partner's mom was against our marriage because I came from a traumatic background. I had abuse and um, lots of, I was a drug addict and I didn't know, I didn't know Jesus for most of my life. And so she 
was in Africa sending this email. She hadn't even met me yet. And she said, well, I don't think that he has the courage to, or he has the wisdom to lead you through your problems. And um, I just isn't a good idea. And he's going to get discouraged by all the stuff that comes up. And I was super mad. I was like, first of all, you haven't even met me. <laughs> Second of all, I don't need a man to lead me through my problems. <laughs> I can handle that very much on my own. <laughs> um, I have resources. I'm my own person. And so, um, yeah, Caleb, my partner, he had to just really do some praying on his own and asking his, his sisters and other wise people in his life and we just had lots of conversations and prayers about it, and we had to just set set lots of boundaries with his parents and decide we were gonna do it anyway. But it hurt a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can be really hard, like on both sides, right? Because I think the reality is when you're when you're in that relationship and it's new and it's exciting and there's like exciting things happening about you know you're thinking about the future any sort of concern that a, a family member might bring, whether it's legitimate or not, can sometimes be seen as sort of like a, an affront to the relationship. Like, oh, you just don't, you know, you're just out to get us or whatever. You just don't want to support us. And I think, like, I think to back to previous relationships where I sometimes wish people would have spoke up a little bit and, like, family, like, yeah, like, this, we're seeing some red flags here. Um, and I had to figure that out kind of the hard way in that relationship. And so I think it, it can kind of go both ways where um, if, if, you know, where you need to like really assess like, okay, what are, what are these people that I care about? Like, do I trust them first of all? Like, yeah, they, you know, they're my best friends or my family and they're, I really trust them. So what is it about this person, right, that, that they're seeing that maybe I'm not seeing, right? Because it, it might be legitimate. And so I think it's important to at least give it that time. Um, and yeah, maybe you end up deciding, you know what, it's not. Um, I think they're, they haven't gotten to know this person and there's, it's sort of based in, you know, uh, non-truths. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're going to set boundaries and move forward, right? But at least you do your due diligence instead of, I think what happens more often is like, no, you're wrong. And then, but they're right, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm. So it's yeah, there was a lot of sorting out, like, okay, is this his mom's fears? Is this her stuff? Okay, is this my stuff? Is this his stuff? And so just lots of discernment in terms of character and um, what, what's really going on and, yeah. And how do you, so then how would you say, like, how do you get to that point? How do you determine whether it's right or wrong? Or, like, how do you actually get to that place where it's like, okay, I love my family with all my heart, mom, dad, you're wrong, I'm going through with this, versus the other one, which would be like, wow, thank you guys for speaking up, I'm going to let go of this person and move on, like, how do you actually get there, obviously prayer and discernment, but are there some practical ways that you can actually, like, arrive at one of those conclusions? Yeah, I think for Caleb, it was mostly um, time um, and evidence and logic, so he, because, you know, we often want God to just speak to us and say, this is right or wrong, um, but for him, it was just experiencing me and the greater qualities of my character over and over, over a few years and um, just building confidence in us and trusting, trusting that in, in God 
you know, slowly opening the doors to greater intimacy in our relationship and knowing that that was part of it. It's, but it wasn't an email from God at all. It was <laughs> just lots of years of following one foot in front of the other. And yeah. This is a really tricky one because as a, as a dad, I'm sitting here listening to this and going, well, no, I want to speak into my daughter's lives and say that guy is not the guy for you. But anytime we've done that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because you, you got to, I think as a parent, we want the best for our kids. Uh, and I think our, our approach is we're going to share with you what we think, but then we're going to kind of hold it like this and see what God has. So it, as long as you got a parent that's doing that, it's great. It sounds like you had a parent that was being more on the judgmental side. Some parents don't say anything. I think it's a fine line. And I think you would be wise if you have a parent or somebody in your life giving you some warning signs. I think you would be very wise to step back for a second and just say, God, are you in this anywhere? Mm -hmm. And if you decide he's not, then that's fine. But Yeah, I, th I think sometimes finding like a neutral party too. Yeah. Uh, go talk to a counselor, um, <laughs> you know, or something just, or even. Shameless plug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Business cards. <laughs> Where do you counsel uh, them? No, but, you know, someone who's sort of outside of the situation, doesn't have really any emotional attachment. And is, you know, if they're, you can sort of explain that situation to them and, and potentially they can help you mm. see where, okay, you know, like there are some things there or, yeah, there's boundaries being crossed and here's how you set those boundaries. And, mm. But, yeah. That's great. So we'll move on to the next question. We're just going to dive right into the deep end here. They sent it in exactly like this. Masturbation. Sinful or not? That's Pastor Carolyn's department. <laughs> <laughs> I think we voted on you. Oh. We had a little private meeting yeah. earlier. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. Pastor Todd would All take right. this one. All right, so the Bible does not say anything about it other than some people refer to an Old Testament verse that says, so-and-so spilt his seed and therefore and was judged by God, therefore that was masturbation and that was wrong, so therefore all masturbation is wrong. So the Bible doesn't really say anything on the physiological sexuality part of it. Uh, however, you move to the New Testament, and Jesus is extremely clear that if, man, if you look at a woman lustfully, uh, it's like committing adultery, right? Um, so there's, there's obviously something going on. Now, some guys are going to justify that and say, yes, but I can watch a naked woman pornography so I can get off masturbation, but I'm not actually lusting after her. That's splitting hairs. Let's, let's, say, let's call it for what it is, right? Here's, here's the deal, is that um, our sexuality... Is, is the one part of the Garden of Eden that came with us. Okay, follow me on this one. I love this. That, that it is a sacred act. So between a married couple, our sexuality is actually a, a sacred act of worship. And we get to be naked together and not ashamed, which is on the other side of the, of the, the garden. It's in the garden. It's an amazing it's an amazing thing. And in fact, I've often said that sexuality for a married couple is like this far below heaven. Like it's just, it's just below heaven. Like it's amazing when you get into that emotionally. I'm not just talking about the, the, the physical stuff, right? So sexuality in itself is an act of worship. I love it's worship. It's sacred. And I love worship I love too. Worship. <laughs> and it's, it's a fantastic kind of worship. Absolutely. Praise God. Praise God. That's right. And it, and, you know, it really is though. So when you start... Uh, you know, jacking off with, uh, with pornography or whatever's getting you going, some guy with a shirt off or whatever, and, and you are, are you know, ha masturbating in that and lusting after that, you're taking the sexuality part, you're taking the worship right out of it. You're taking it all the way back and you're being selfish. Now, 
especially if you, on the married side of things, when you get married, there is only one person that should be meeting my wife's sexual needs, and that is me. That's it. Nobody else. There's only one person that should be meeting my sexual needs, and that's my wife. And, and it should not be, certainly should not be, um, you know, the Playboy Channel or whatever, or, any, or Vimeo or, you know, anything. It shouldn't be anything else. So it's tricky because this is a very, very personal part of us. It's something very private. Um, but it's that whole who, who are you uh, when you're alone sort of deal. And uh, so I would say based on those uh, parts of, of our, our sexuality, on what Jesus said about lust, uh, that yes, it is not healthy, it is not right, and uh, it's something that needs to be avoided. And uh, needs to be, uh, that sexuality needs to be your worship to God. And if you're not worshiping God in that moment, then you're, you're misusing it. Mm, that's amazing. And I think to ask, excuse me, to ask yourself, Will this, uh, does this honor God question, but also does this honor the person I'm dating? Mm -hmm. uh, will this honor my wife or husband someday? Um, will they be okay with this? And to ask yourself those questions because um, we are to honor one another and to, and to be careful on wh what we view, mm. um, it should only be between between us. Yeah. Now, the world isn't going to get this, and you're not going to get this message anywhere other than a God-centered, Bible-centered place, right? So as we talked about in church this morning, God has the right to ask us to do hard stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those hard things, to resist temptation, to resist the, uh, the, the tantalizing lure of that sexuality and that masturbating, to resist that and say, I'm resisting this as worship to you. That's one of the hard things in life. But that is amazing when you worship God uh, with your sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I think last week, if you were here, we talked about test driving the car. We said you don't have to test drive a Honda Civic or a, a Chevy Cruze. God has a Lamborghini and a Ferrari waiting for you. I think that's the same thing, except masturbation would be like rolling a wheel down the road. You know, it's just not even, it's just like, it's, it's kind of a car. And so I think God has something incredible waiting for you. And uh, if you can be patient, he wants to give you this amazing gift that, that is for you and, and, and your partner. Uh, we'll, we'll jump to another question. Uh, if someone is dating a non-Christian, should they break up with them because Christians shouldn't be dating non-Christians? <laughs> My opinion is yes. And here's the reason. I mean, it, there's a, a verse in the Bible which I can pull up to read to you. Um, I sit on the other side, as I'm sure these counselors do as well, but in my role at the church as pastor of care and marriages, I have sat with more people than I care to count who are distraught in their relationships now because they were not and are not on the same page spiritually. Mm. And it has caused such heartache in their, in their marriage, in their family, but before they got married, it was like, this will be okay. He's okay that I'm a Christian. He's okay that I go to church. He's okay. And he might even come with me sometimes. But I can tell you, it rarely, rarely happens that way where it changes. Mm. Um, so to have the standard right off the top, if you're a Christ follower, that's who I'm looking for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date a Christ follower. Yeah, and in terms of intimacy, and I'm not just meaning sexual, um, spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, intellectual, 
Um, if, I, if Jesus is the love of my life and I'm super passionate about that and my whole life revolves around serving, if I can't talk to my partner about the deepest love of my life, I'm going to be pretty sad. The other thing, too, is <clears throat> just from what I've seen is um, when two people do get together and there is, I mean, I've seen so many relationships myself where some of my friends, they just, they just want that diamond ring. They just want to walk down the aisle and they'll mm -hmm. do almost anything to get there. And they just don't want to be that person like who doesn't have anything. And the older you get, if you're going to be that one left behind, it's going to be that hard road to, to, to walk, right? But I can just, just tell you, too, that it is worth waiting for the one who actually does share Christ with you and, and that you guys have that, that same level ground. But I have seen people who they do get together and they take that next step and they do get engaged and they do get married. But more than likely, one will pull the other one down. So you may be able to bring that person to Christ, but he may be able to take you away from him. Wow. So that's just would be a big warning sign for me on and that. And emotionally too. I mean, uh, if the unbeliever is going to Vancouver on a bus and you're going to Halifax as a Christ follower, uh, you're going different directions. Mm -hmm. And it's way better to be on the same bus together, like just practically speaking. So in terms of children, raising children, in terms of church, in terms of... of the love of your life and all those sorts of things. You're just going in opposite directions. Why would you do that? Why would you hitch yourself to somebody that's going the opposite direction from you? Yeah, that's really good. I even think of something as simple as like purpose. Like if you're a Christ follower and you're like, man, God created me for a purpose and I have a destiny and they're like, I just kind of think we're here and I'll just do what I got to do and kind of get by and then I'll, I'll die. Like, like how, do you, how do you reconcile even something like that? So and that's just one example that I thought of really quickly, but there's these dynamics that you guys are going to just naturally disagree on, and maybe it's not like brought up in conversation, but it's like, I was created for more, and they're like, no, you're going to die in 80 years and be nothing, and there is no meaning, and there is no purpose. It's just, uh, so, so little things like that. I think values are so important and essential. You can disagree on a lot. You can actually be completely different. Me and Roberta are completely, complete opposites. Like... But what, what we agree on is our values. We agree on Christ, and then from there, uh, um, all the, the values that God gives us, even though I'm introverted and she's extroverted, for example, um, I think as long as those values line up, you can make it work. And when they don't, it's really tough. Kevin, were you going to say something? Yeah, I think, that, I think there's sort of a, you know, even if you take out sort of that, this, the spiritual side of that and look at it just from a practical point of view, years ago, I was working with a, um, a company, and I was just talking to one of the my coworkers, and he was super outdoorsy, like he did everything outdoors, like he just spent all his time outdoors, and um, so I just like, some of the stuff, we'd play tennis together, and just kind of like, obviously this was important to him, and you know, so I would, as I got to know him, I started asking about his wife and stuff, and you know, asking about like, oh, you know, like, does she do some of this stuff with you, and he said, his answer to me was, no, she's allergic to the sun, right, like, literally she couldn't go outside because of some reaction that you know and, and so and it was kind of like striking to me you know how how you know how different that was right this is so important to him and she can't she can't participate in that with him and I and I think in reality that's that's nothing compared to what we're actually talking about mm. right where when you look at you know I think it, again it's being honest with yourself is Christ kind of like the most important at your core like everything Right, because because if he's not, that question is going to kind of be, eh, 
you know, like I believe this, they believe that. Is it really that big a deal? But when Christ is everything, like every decision stems from that, mm-hmm. right? Everything you do, right, comes from that, right? And so if you're with someone who that's just completely foreign to them, like decisions about, okay, like where are they going to go to school? Like what are we going to do Sunday morning? Like what, what's our bedtime routine, right? Like it's just going to, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Uh, we have one final question, and, and, and this is a big one, and so I'm excited that we get to answer it, because um, I just think God's going God's gonna to speak tonight, um, continue to speak tonight. It says, if I already have made mistakes, example, slept with someone uh, who isn't a Christian while I am a Christian, um, I don't think it matters really who they slept with, but I'm a Christian, I, I slept with someone, and I'm terribly sorry for it, and I regret it. Am I even still a Christian, or can I even still be a Christian? Will God forgive me? Do I still deserve to marry a godly man? Or or we could interject woman. Is God going to punish me by not allowing me to have a pure and godly future spouse because I already screwed it up and disobeyed him? And they said, uh, in brackets, I'm already unclean and didn't wait until marriage. God's very clear about this in terms of forgiveness. Jesus um, sacrificed his life for this. And, you know, 1 John 1, 9, it's one of my, my favorite verses. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died to wash away our sins. Mm. He is faithful. He's faithful to forgive any sin. At the same time, with every mistake we make, with every sin, there are consequences. Does he hold the sin against us? There might be some natural consequences that come out out of the choices that are made, but I do believe with all my heart that his word is true, that he will forgive, he is Mm -hmm. faithful to forgive, and he's got a tremendous future for everyone and just because you messed up it doesn't mean he's going to withhold something special for you that is not the god that we serve yeah not at all we serve the god of the new creation and he he creates new every day and you know i haven't heard this term for years when i was a youth pastor 25 years ago there was this term going around i don't know if you've used it or ever heard it secondary virginity it, it was just kind of this idea, but I loved it because it was this idea of, gee, I've been sleeping with people and I've been messing up and I, I, I already experienced that sexuality stuff. And it was this idea that, hey, from this day forward, I'm going to commit myself to, to be a virgin again. And God's going to almost give me like this secondary virginity, like the second chance so that, yeah. that from this day forward, he's going to create me new and forgive me and wash me clean. And from this day forward, I'm going to do it right. I may not have done it right. He's not going to hold that against me and, and give me some schmuck of a husband or schmuck of a wife because I made some mistakes back here. It's a new creation. So today's a new day. He's going to wash me clean today. But I'm making a commitment that from this day forward, I will honor God with my sexuality. And, and so that's if you're engaged, that might be, I mean, Carolyn challenges couples in the premarital course. If you've been doing this, you know, getting it on from this day forward for the next three months until your wedding day, do it so you honor God. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you're not dating anybody right now, but you've got to pass from this day forward. Say from this day forward until the day I open that wedding gift on my honeymoon. 
because that's what it's all about. You know, so I, I really think that's not just playing with words. I believe that God will wash you clean and create you new and can even give you a, a new sense of, of, of doing it right mm -hmm. from this day forward. So I, I just think that that phrase needs to, to be reverberating in our heads all the time, right? That, mm -hmm. that from here on, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it differently. Yeah. And I'm just going to receive this cleansing that he has for me. Yeah, I love that. Um, so with the past that I've shared with you, I slept with many guys, um, and when I met Caleb, he came from a really nice Christian family, missionary family, he was like a good boy, right? I'm like, I'm not a good girl. Um, and so <laughs> when it came to having to tell him this stuff a few months down the road, I was terrified. Um, I was terrified because of my fear of abandonment from my past. If I shared this stuff, I don't deserve him. He's going to leave me. He's going to walk away. And I finally just had to be like, okay, I have to trust God because I need to be honest in order to be okay with this relationship. And so we were skating at the forks down the little trail, and I told him my whole story. It took like two hours. And I was terrified, and he said, I looked up at him at the end, and I said, so... Uh, are we equal? And he said, yeah, we're equal. And, and one of the reasons he said that is because of the verse that Todd brought up earlier, the lusting. And he said, you know, Jesus says that that's the same as having sex with somebody. And he said, I've done that. I've messed up that way. And I still struggle with that. And so, yeah, it was, it, it's hard, that shame where you don't feel good enough, you feel guilty. Um, but God did, did give me a godly husband, even though mm. I did all that stuff. So that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, we've run out of time, but hey, can we give these guys a, a round of applause and thank them for all of their wisdom? Thank you so much, guys.